are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in to today's uh, free podcast. You're on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. Thanks for subscribing as well on on uh, iTunes and Stitcher as well. Leave us a positive review if you don't mind. Now, if you don't like the show, don't lie. We wouldn't tell you to do that, but uh, maybe just keep that to yourself. If you do like the show, though, hey, people love when they're just hearing about something for the first time or they're skimming through a menu and they see, hey, there's a lot of positive reviews. I'll give this thing a shot. That would help us so much. So we greatly appreciate you uh, letting others know what you think about our podcast here on the Steve Day Show. Todd and Aaron will be joining us here momentarily. We'd love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address, last name spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We continue our series on the seven deadly worldviews here to open up 2018. We're going to take a deeper look at dualism. And again, remember, the television show uh, that you can subscribe to today on CRTV. Use my name as a promo code. You won't just get a discounted subscription for our show, but all of the shows. And we got so many shows coming on CRTV now. Another very prominent conservative just told me yesterday they are looking at uh, creating a show for CRTV. So I I can't even keep everybody straight. So I'm just going to do this from now on. Our big star, the great one, Mark Levin, you get his show too, and then all the rest of ours. Because I can't remember everybody's shows. All right, and and I'm going to leave people out, and then people are going to read into it. Why are you leaving that guy? Because I, I just we got so many shows now, I I can't remember. So we got a lot of shows here on CRTV, and and I'll throw Phil Robertson in there as well from Duck Dynasty fame. All right, so you don't just get our show with promo code Dace, but the great one, Mark Levin, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty fame, and the entire team right here at CRTV, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. So on the television side of things, gentlemen, we got into the definitions of dualism, the yin and the yang, the light and the dark, right? So the way this series works is we sort of lay out from a worldview, a belief system standpoint uh, on the television show what these worldviews are. And then the podcast, we go a little bit deeper about where we see them in our popular culture and how we can more directly identify and confront them. And, and I, I want to say this, confrontation doesn't always have to be, uh, a, you know, a survival of the fittest, law of the jungle, doesn't always have to create friction. Sometimes a confrontation just means, I don't agree with that. Here's why. And I think that's, that's immensely important in the worldview we're confronting today in dualism. Because dualism is the first reaction to how we broke the world with Gnosticism and legalism. I mean, the devil comes along and says, did God really say? Eve said, well, God said what I wanted him to say, or I thought he said. All right, so right away, distortion and deception breaks breaks the planet. Yet, these facts remain. We still have a soul. We still have this longing for significance and purpose beyond ourselves. We still have that Blaise Pascal hole in our heart. So 
while we naturally, as Paul says, we reduce the truth in our unrighteousness, as the scriptures say, none would choose him. None are righteous, not a single one. We, wouldn't, we don't want to bow the knee to our creator and say, I'm sorry, forgive me for my sins. We don't want to do that. But we do still want all the accoutrements of a creator other than that, okay? And so when the world is first broken, yes, sin comes into the world, but the pre-existing aspects of human nature, the desire for dominion and significance and purpose and connection with something greater than ourselves, gentlemen, those things didn't go away. They're still there. The problem is now with sin in the world, we are choosing the wrong things to reconnect that severed connection. See where I'm going with this? Yes. Dualism is our first attempt at this. It's, a, it's Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall, and this is Humpty Dumpty's first attempt to make himself whole, put himself back together. And so what dualism says is, it recognizes, run away, it says, there's good and evil. Gnosticism doesn't necessarily agree there's good and evil. Dualism agrees good and evil exist. Dualism agrees there is a transcendent supernatural solution to what materialistically ails the human condition. It agrees with that. So right away, we're starting on a couple of, of, of shared values here with people who buy into this. And I think that's also why so many, so many people with a Judeo-Christian belief system are, are comic book fanboys and love sci-fi, and we talk more about this on the TV side today, guys. But I think that's why. It's because we're drawn to the notion of supernatural transcendent heroism, deliverance, because that's at the heart of our belief system. The difference is the dualist says there's no price to be paid to, to reconnect that connection. You don't have to admit your sinfulness. You don't have to obey a Levitical law. You don't have to have a Messiah die on a cross. No sacrifice must be paid for your sinfulness. And you can even bend that supernatural hero and transcendent force to your will and decide what's good and what's bad based on what you want to do with it. That's where it breaks off. But I think that's why we need to be a little bit, I think this requires more of a deft touch, more of a, a stiletto than a machete maybe in confronting this viewpoint because we're beginning here with this belief, we're beginning with a couple of shared premises. And you see it in what's involved in popular culture. And we talk about this on the TV show today, Harry Potter, Star Wars. The Lion King, many Disney films are panentheistic, pantheistic in their worldview. Unitarian. What do I mean by Unitarian? Uh, the idea that good, evil, everything, every supernatural thing, it's all part of one big circle of life. Okay? Uh, there's a movie out right now that is fantastic called The Greatest Showman. And I'm not a fan of musicals, as you guys know. All right? Unless it's Olivia Newton-John teaching me what the big deal about the birds and the bees really was in Greece. That was an awakening moment. And Todd, you're, yep. you got my back. I can tell you got that same Just look on your face. Within the last year, yeah. for the first time in a long time, I said, oh yeah, yeah. Remember that. I remember my parents told me what the birds and the bees were. I'm like, that kind of sounds gross. I'm not that interested. Then Levy Newton John walked out in that leather outfit. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see it now. I didn't see it before. <laughs> I, I kind of thought, so 
you transfer bodily fluids. Um, uh, girls at my school, they all have cooties, and I don't like to drink off other dudes. So no, okay? But when she walked out in that leather getup, I thought, I might have had this one wrong. I think I got this one. I think I got to reconsider my previous reservations about this position or The Wizard of Oz, which I just can't get enough of. I love the movie. And uh, our first two kids were daughters. We watched that another 300 times because girls love all girls love the movie. I mean, the scene where Judy Garland is in black and white and opens up the door to Oz in full color, that is amazing in 2018. Can you imagine what people thought in 1938 right. when they saw that in a movie theater? Right. It must, have, it must have been like when we were kids, Todd, and that very opening scene of the first Star Wars movie, it's the pullback scene right, of the right. spaceship and it seemingly never ends. And that's when you kind of knew we're not in Kansas anymore for our era. I can't even imagine what people in 1938 thought when she opened that door and it was color. That must have blown my because it still looks pretty cool today. Yeah, it does. All right, but outside of those, musical is not my thing. But The Greatest Showman, fantastic. Which means if I think it's great and it's a musical, it's probably it's probably truly great. Well, of course, it's about P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum was a man of sincere religious faith who belonged to the Unitarian Church. Now, the Unitarian Church in the mid-19th century wasn't quite... The, the total and complete uh, leftist social justice warrior whack job it is now in 2018. But by right away rejecting the holiness and righteousness of a Trinitarian God set apart from his sinful creation, by rejecting that from its outset, eventually they were going to arrive at where the Unitarian Church is now because they removed, by rejecting the truth of God's nature, they removed the safeguards the boundaries that would have stopped them from plummeting to the depths they are now. Like if you were, if, 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 if P.T. Barney was allowed to come back and attend a Unitarian service in 2018, do burn it down, burn it all down. I was wrong. That's not what they said in 1845. But the problem is because they rejected the proper understanding premise of God, it was just a matter of time before they got to where they are now. And so this belief system of dualism, it's everywhere in our culture. Because there's two things right now we, are, we, we can't get enough of in movies, books, television shows. I don't know if you guys see this. One is apocalyptic stuff. Can't get enough of it, man. Zombies, vampires, contagions. It's like we want something to put us out of our misery. Okay, we can't get enough of that. And at the same time, we can't get enough of this, of the dualistic notion that there is a supernatural savior to how we're destroying ourselves, and, but this one won't require anything of ourselves to save us. We don't have to pay any price whatsoever in order to access and acquire that power. You guys see this trend line everywhere in pop culture today, Todd? I do, and it's so interesting after talking about the last ones. The, the, this one we're talking about... There's a, there's kind of a spark of, we might have a chance as a people, e- even though this is ultimately heretical, uh, and we we've talked about how Gnosticism is easy to fall into, perhaps sometimes um, innocently enough. That uh, this one even more, you know, you, the way you lay that out there and convincingly so, it, it I like the Humpy Dumpty analogy about we're. we're 
we're just a people without the means, but we are trying. We're giving it the old college mm-hmm. try to put it back together again. We don't have the directions, you know, and it's a 100-step process. You know, it's like trying to put together. I, my, kid, my girls got me a, a Lego Millennium Falcon for Christmas. Uh, it's like trying that, to put that thing together without the directions. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you know what happens, by the way, when you access... One of the reasons why you keep having light and dark and a balance of those things, rather than the light ultimately conquering the dark, is because when you keep accessing the transcendent supernatural power and force in your current fallen sinful state, what are you going to do with it? It's the same thing, same thing with a gun. Right. What's, what's a sheriff with the fear of God going to do with a gun? And then what is a terrorist going to do with it? Right? Right. Same exact thing. One guy has submitted himself to an authority above himself, recognizing the great responsibility that comes with this badge and this gun, and that it is intended for him to use it to defend, not take innocent life. The other guy is not submitted to that authority and therefore has decided he gets to decide whose life is worthy of keeping an innocent unto himself. That is a great illustration of dualism right there. And that's why it that's why it wreaks so much havoc, because it does usher in the notions of a supernatural belief system. But instead of us acknowledging there's a power greater than ourselves and it humbles us. Right. Go back to The Last Jedi. Luke recognized the arrogance of the Jedi Council. And now they didn't they, they were so arrogant. They didn't even see Darth Sidious, the emperor coming. In fact, they were fighting his war. They were fighting his war to keep him in power, to, to, to set the stage for the creation of his empire and his clone army. They were, those Jedi were out there even before you know, Order 66 was given. He would, they were out there living and dying, fighting his battle to bring a Sith Lord to power. Why? Because they determined what was light and the Sith determined what was dark. No one ever repented. No one had a life transformation. No one ever changed. That's why they had age restrictions. Well, this one's too old. We can't, we can't change him now. Is there an age restriction when you approach the throne of God's grace? Does God like, oh boy, you know what, man? You lived For 70 years, you lived a terrible life. I, you're just beyond redeeming. Of course not. Of course not. Neither height, nor depth, nor width. Nothing. Nothing separates us from the love of our creator. Nothing. When we acknowledge we need it and say, I need this. I need it to change me. I need it. I, I, I can't do this on my own. Dualism says you need it, Todd, but you can then do it on your own. And that's why there's always light and dark. Because what rages within us all the time? The good I want to do, I don't. The evil I don't want to do, I do. What a wretch am I? Paul is, Paul is alluding to the dualistic nature of the human soul right there out of Romans 7. So the reason why and dualism always seeks a balance of light and dark and always produces it is, that's what's in us. We are fallen, depraved, yet at the same time we have an immense capacity to st- capability even in our sinful state to do good because we're still made in the image of an ultimately good God. But yet we can't sustain that goodness on our own and eventually we, the moth, the dog returns to its own vomit, the moth returns to the flame. This sort of back and forth dualism within our nature that's the storyline that you see here in Harry Potter, Star Wars, etc. Except the great irony, Aaron, is the way these conflicts are resolved is when someone commits a Christ-like act 
in order to break the cycle. And that is, and that's where often dualists often violate the, their own worldview. They're not willing to really take it to its own logical conclusion because they admit within themselves, you know, we, we need, there needs to be a winner. There needs to be good. Yeah. Uh, really, I, I think what we're talking about as well in this is that we talk about good and evil, but within dualism, who gets to decide what good right. and evil actually is? Of course, um, uh, good uh, is uh, related to the word, and it comes from the word God, as in a transcendent arbiter of good and evil. And in fact, there cannot be evil in the world unless there is God as well, because who gets to determine what is good from the other thing or what is evil from the other thing that is good? So there has to be a law giver, as in a law between good and evil, and that has to be God. Within dualism, it's just kind of everybody for himself, and we all just kind of know it, it, it kind of mixes in a little bit of Gnosticism as well. We all just kind of know what's good and what's kind of evil as well, but it never addresses where good our notions of good and evil come from. And then on top of that, when you see issue um, examples of this in pop culture, and I'll just use the Harry Potter analogy where he willingly sacrifices himself for his friends and then comes back and defeats the notion, the, the example of evil in that story, Voldemort, where does he get the power to overcome his own self? Where does that come from? Where does the willingness to lay down his life come from? That's never that's never mm -hmm. addressed. He's just a good person. Right. Well, what makes him good? Right. Well, what's good? We don't know. Yeah. Again, it goes back to, I want the accoutrements of transcendent supernatural good without having to pay the cost for it. That's That's... And the and the cost the and, and what you just illustrated, Aaron, it, by acknowledging or or creating an, an, an external inspiration for Potter to give his life means he then submitted to something other than himself. Yep. Do you just do you submit to that which is weaker than you or that which is stronger than you? What do you typically submit to? I, well, I think by definition you can't submit to something that's weaker than you. Yeah, can think, you submit yeah. to an ant? Right. No. Okay, you submit to that, which you bow the knee to that, which you right. recognize. That's a re submission is a recognition of that, which is more powerful. Right. All right, it's an act of, it's an act of that recognition in, of, in and of itself. So again, we're back to the same process over and over again. Give me the benefits of transcendent supernatural heroism and goodness without any, without a bloody, bloodied, Savior on a cross without a Levitical law that reminds me that, is, that it serves as a constant reminder of my brokenness, my sinfulness 618 times. Give me that without any of that. Well, that doesn't really work because ultimately Aaron is right. You can't get something for nothing. Potter's instinct to give his life for his friends has to come from somewhere because it's not in the human condition to do that. The natural human condition, if you're particularly if you're taking if you're taking dualism to its ultimate conclusion, then Luke Skywalker teams up with Darth Vader, yep. yin and yang, light and dark. Hey, yeah, we take out hey, the emperor is the greater evil. Like, hey, we did this in World War II. Team up with uh, Joseph Stalin, get rid of Hitler.
That's what Luke Skywalker does. Palpatine's got to go. I get, I'm going to team up with my old man. And we'll rule the galaxy together. Ray and, Ray and Ren. We watch him team up against Snoke. He's got to go. That's the right deal. That, that's dualism. Betray, and I use this analogy on the TV show today to quote Luke Skywalker, your thoughts betray you. Dualism is not willing to take its worldview to its ultimate conclusion. Now, we see dualism a lot in the church. Uh, the Christian comedian Brad Stein once uh, made the observation in a Baptist church, no less, that if, if Catholics see Mary everywhere, Protestants see the devil everywhere. And he talks about a guy who gets up late, doesn't alarm, doesn't go off, or doesn't set it again. He's late for work, and he gets in, and he gets fired. He's like, oh, man, the devil's on me. Uh, you know, I knew once I started tithing at church and, and going to Bible study, you know, I knew that the devil would be coming after me. And Stein's like, uh, the devil has nothing to do with this nitwit. You were late three days in a row, never called in, had no excuse. You're just a moron who's lazy. Get your ass out of bed. Yeah. See, we love the idea. We, we want to embrace the devil almost too much in the Orthodox religious community. Because again, having it's convenient to have an external, an external entity tempting us to do bad. You know, but James is very clear in the New Testament. You're not tempted to do that except that which you want to do. Are you, are you tempted to snort a bunch of blow right now, Todd? No. What tempts you? What do you like? What do you like? You tempted to have sex with another man? We're doing this right now. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm, 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 are, are you? Is that, does that, is that not, are, are you, but I'm not attracted to that. I'm, I'm attracted to the yoga, most of the yoga pants in the, in the gym where I work out. I'm attracted to that. I'm not really, you know, I'm not really a guy in on doing hard drugs, but somebody else is. That's, that's their jam. That's their vice. You're not, there, there isn't a being out there in a, in a red unitard and a pitchfork holding out some sort of taboo in front of you that you were like, you know, snap. I never knew this was out there before. I never wanted this. And you, thank you for bringing it to my attention. Allow me to partake just to see if I would like it or not. No, no. What happens is the devil does exist. He is an external entity out there tempting you. But he is tempting you with in internally what you want. What you want. He's Dr. Feelgood here. Okay? He's giving you what you want. And that's the difference. We have to change what we want. And that was the argument, the honest argument of Ares in uh, Wonder Woman. Yes. Ares is essentially Satan. Yeah. And he says, I don't make these people do anything bad. I just whisper stuff. I whispered a formula in Dr. Poison's ear, and she's like, ah, that's a great idea. Let me go ahead and put this, invent this thing called mustard gas, and we'll kill even more people because it'll melt through the masks that they're using to protect themselves. He's like, I didn't like sit in a lab and construct this for them. I just whispered, hey, did you try putting those things together? Great idea. Let's do that. Yes, that's a great analogy. And I think that we have to be very careful as well. You know, if you open up the opening in, uh, intro to Screw Tape Letters, and I, I borrowed from this in my own book, Nefarious Plot. And, you know, Lewis talks about the person who, um, uh, you know, is the materialist or the magician. 
and the magician who sees the devil sees the devil everywhere and the materialist who doesn't see the devil anywhere and how they're both wrong and the devil appreciates both of their sentiments he appreciates the materialist not recognizing he's there so he can remain in the shadows and he appreciates the magician who sees him everywhere he goes so he can because uh, it boosts his ego and it it, uh, it gets uh, it, it's good for the brand and it gets the name out there right this this is a this is a belief system that is not just as as temptable out in the culture so far we've talked about two belief systems one that are of error that broke the world one came from outside of orthodoxy the other comes from inside gnosticism from the out legalism from the in now we're talking about as we attempt to fix the world again it's that humpty dumpty analogy we're talking about a worldview here that those of us in and out of the church alike can glom onto and use to deceive ourselves, Todd. This is proving to be perhaps the most fascinating one yet. Maybe because I thought that it might be the most obvious to me once I see Star Wars, and it just uh, isn't. Uh, because what you just laid out just goes to show how it's how could dualism not have taken over a culture like ours that is so, whether Catholic or Protestant, but I can certainly speak uh, directly to the Catholic side of things, is so poorly catechized. We just, this is, goes to your three-dimensional thinking, we so badly fail at the first leg of that stool. We really have no idea mm-hmm. what box we're going to check on Sundays at all. And if we, you know, it's almost... We should almost be counting our lucky stars if dualism is the worst we've fallen into. We, how could we not but fall into some version of this when we know our faith so poorly? Look at the Greek gods. So, well, see, they live on Mount Olympus. They're set apart from humanity. Oh, are they? Uh, what's Hercules? Is that why they're impregnating all your women? Wonder Woman. Okay. They're demigods. In, in Greek mythology, it's a perfect illustration of the dualism. The gods begin by being set apart from us. They're not content. They're not. They, 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 they don't have peace in their hearts. They don't like who they are. And so they come down from Mount Olympus to commiserate with us in order to find more meaning, more significance, to procreate, to manage human affairs, govern human affairs. If that's not the Tower of Babel, baby, I I don't know. If that's not the Tower of Babel with superpowers, then I don't know what is, okay? So this, this belief system has been the dominant antidote in the world really since the flood. Really since the flood, This has been the dominant antidote that the world has sought. That's why we have so many, so many polytheistic, panentheistic, uh, uh, pantheistic and panentheistic polytheistic religions. That's why we have it. We it's it's one a recognition that there has to that we can't do this ourselves, and there must be a and there's a power out there that can help us to do it ourselves. But at the same time, it never truly, really requires us. To submit to our own sinfulness and and 
on the off chance it does, you sacrifice another, not yourself. Molech, Chemosh, out of the Old Testament. A blood sacrifice, an offering. But unlike the Christian blood sacrifice where the, where the king of the universe takes human form to give his own life, you throw, your, you throw somebody else in there, a virgin, a, a virgin and a wicker man, if you're a druid. If, you're a, if, you're a, if it's the 5th century B.C. and you're a Jew who's walked away from your religion, you walk down to the Valley of Ben-Hinnom and you grab your firstborn child and you throw him into the fire to Molech and Chemosh because they must be satisfied. But even in that respect, and yeah, there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. I can't believe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure people were very sad to offer their children up. Just like I'm sure for a while, people walk out of a Planned Parenthood feeling kind of guilty about what they did. And then after a while though, when they realize, well, you know what, I'm back to living the way I want to live. Think they ever, you know, like just kind of move on. Conscience is seared. Same thing happens there. See, it never asks anything of you. You don't have to give. You don't have to. In the, in the Judeo-Christian worldview, the law is restitutional. That's what eye for an eye means. You took from somebody else, you must return that which you took. You steal, they take, you give that back. That's what it means. It's not about vengeance. It's about restitution. In other words, you must restore that which, you must make whole that which you have broken. Why do we have to make it whole? Um, be holy as God is holy. That's why. We have to make it whole. And so if you, when you take from somebody else, it requires a sacrifice from you. You must sacrifice. In the Jewish restitutional system we have from the Old Testament. I mean, the book of Romans that you're so fond of takes pains chapter after chapter to talk about, you used one, uh, one nugget there, but that's, that, that's ultimately the purpose of the law, to make plain yes. that economy of sin. Yes, yeah. Exactly. So you know, so you're supposed to That's know. That's a great expression. Dualism gives us all the accoutrements we, uh, that, we, that we know we need to conquer what ails us, except it rejects the most important, and that is the economy of sin. That a price must be paid, and you must pay it. Or someone emerges to pay it on your behalf when ultimately the price is so high you can't pay it anymore, even if you would like to. And that's the new covenant. That's where Jesus says, the point of the old one was to illustrate you can't, how high the cost is. It's like the song we sing in our churches, I'll never know, I'll never, I'll never know the, how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. So we went through this for a couple thousand years and you guys learned you can't pay this. So I'm going to pay it for you once and for all right now. And when it's over, final words are, it is finished or probably a better translation is it's accomplished. What's been accomplished? What's been finished? The ultimate economy of sin has been satisfied. Yes. In the dualistic belief system, Aaron, it's never satisfied. We just have balance and it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, there's no, again, uh, for, for a variety of reasons, um, 
the end, the logical conclusion of uh, dualism is really nihilistic. There's no hope if you uh, if you hold on to any notion of what you think is good or evil. There's there's no end game. There's no end to uh, the, the the struggle between good and evil because inevitably somebody's going to turn evil, and maybe maybe if you're lucky, uh, it, and in, on the same token. Um, inevitably, in that view, worldview, somebody's going to be uh, become good. There's no resolution to that conflict ever within dualism. But as uh, as jo- as it's in the book of Job, right? Uh, I know my redeemer lives. That's the end game of Christianity. God and Jesus Christ, His Son, He gets the win at the end of the day, at the end of time. He is the uh, he, he is he is the creator. He's the alpha and the omega. You know that somebody is going to win, and it is going to be triumphant. And it is it already has been triumphant because Christ and His work and uh, death and resurrection, um, He has already triumphed over evil. With dualism, there's none of that. It's just fighting eternally with no end in sight, and that's a pretty bleak outcome. Which again, bringing this back to what we've talked about when dualism is portrayed in pop culture uh it always has to borrow from our story see that's what's so fascinating so you the way you lay it out aaron's you're thinking what what on earth would we ever pick up this baton for but look how it starts in both Mm -hmm. of our movie genres that we've been talking about we don't start off with the the penitent sinner coming to... We start off with innocent rubes named Luke Skywalker Mm -hmm. and Harry Potter who are victims of circumstance. It's not their fault that they're where they are. And look at all of us want to identify with that and blame something or somebody else. I mean, how different would these movies look if these people were fundamentally broken uh, and and uh, cleansed of that brokenness and going on, it you you couldn't relate in the same way, and you certainly wouldn't uh, stick along with it nearly as long because you would see quicker the paint the picture that you just painted, uh, Aaron. But that that's why this is uh, so seducing. Um, it 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 ultimately is about that you that cosmic utopian cloud yep. that you get to enter into and that well, we that there's utopia uh, um unitarianism there uh, mm-hmm. right there for you um so fa- i this has been fascinating final thoughts what do we learn today aaron uh learned again we need to be um we need to be on guard against this all the time. I'm going to take a page out of Todd's playbook in the way that he ended yesterday's show. I think it was uh, talking about, um, or maybe it was Gnosticism as well. He could have said it both times. Uh, it is very easy to fall into this ourselves. So lest we sit here chucking uh, peanuts from the cheap seats or uh, mm-hmm. st- throwing stones from a glass house. We need to be very careful about analyzing what comes into our eyes and our ears and being able to um, and being ready to confront that uh, that type of, of worldview of dualism and taking things full circle. Confrontation doesn't have to cause friction, but we do need to be wise 
and um, analyze. Hey, how's that for a little rap? Wise and analyze everything that's coming to our into our eyes and ears. You're a poet, and you didn't even know it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty fly for a white guy. Nice, Todd. What'd you learn? Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church goes to great pains to to talk about the other faiths of the world or those who reject faith and making it incumbent on uh, upon us uh, the believers who have the fullness of truth to to look for the grain of truth that th- th- those we're talking with possess and try to appreciate that and and find the place where it went off the rails. That's what I really like about what Steve laid out from the beginning of this, about uh, with dualism in particular, uh, there there is overlap. Uh, there is, at the very least, thematic overlap. There is good intention quite often. So don't turn it into an us versus them automatically, because you may have far more of a wingman there than you realize somebody who is very ready and willing to quite frankly they 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 may shock you in their willingness mm-hmm. uh to come to the fullness of truth when they finally it's like there's man there's a great line in uh, finally an enemy uh worth fighting uh, it's a, a, a great movie, I, the title, the name of which I can't remember. But the point was being made that, you know, I, I, I've been given such thin gruel for so long, uh, which is why I end up going into the world of comic books or wherever I go. You give me real meat and potatoes, you might be surprised on how far I'm willing to go in the name of the Lord I've heard so much about. That is very well said. I think that's why the the scriptures will draw distinctions between incorrect belief, um, weak belief, and unbelief, right? Like, uh, or the harden of the hardening of a heart. Someone who is wrong, and someone who has hardened their heart. And what we're going to get to when we come back here on Monday is we're going to get now to a belief system that hardens hearts to transcendence, hardens hearts to the idea of absolutes and good and evil in the first place and is is at the root of the of the complete and total unraveling of western civilization that's coming up on monday here as we continue our series on the seven deadly worldviews have a great weekend don't forget to check us out on crtv.com promo code dace let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Like us on Facebook as well. John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like-